This episode of Voice the Victim podcast is supported by Leaner Creamer. Rosie and I both work full-time as well as making this podcast, and we've both come to the conclusion that nothing is more important to starting our day than a great cup of coffee. But coffee can sometimes taste really nasty, especially when you're staying at a hotel, you don't know what you're getting, but nothing makes coffee more palatable than a good creamer. Leaner Creamer is a great option. They combine coconut oil with functional supplements that help keep your morning ritual lean while giving you a great burst of energy. It's sugar-free, gluten-free, lactose-free, and contains natural supplements. My favorite part is that it's both paleo and keto-friendly making it the perfect addition to whatever wellness routine works best for you. It can even be used as a sugar substitute in drinks and food. It doesn't make your coffee colder or dilute its flavor, and it lasts in your pantry for 18 months. The natural supplements in Leaner Creamer help with appetite suppression and help boost your metabolism. They also have their own Keurig-compatible coffee capsules called Leaner Me Coffee, which pairs perfectly with Leaner Creamer. It has functional supplements which help create a sustainable calorie burn all day long. The coffee capsules are earth-friendly and sustainable, made of a recyclable foil lid and a compostable filter. You can find Leaner Creamer and Leaner Me Coffee in over 7,000 stores nationwide. And it also can be found at leanercreamer.com, where you can use our code VOICE15 to get 15% off your order. If you want to help support our show and love great tasting coffee, give them a try at leanercreamer.com and use code VOICE15 to get 15% off. Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. My name is Ryan. And I am Rosie. And this week we are starting something a little different. We are recording with headphones on so we can hear... Oh, yeah, we can hear all the things now. <laughs> the cats. <laughs> anyway. Oh, it's weird. So, I was really sick this past weekend, and now... We're both sick. Yeah, Rosie is more sick than I've ever seen her in our whole relationship. But not with Corona. No. What's with the Heineken? I had had bronchitis, and I'm guessing that's what Rosie has now, um, because it was viral and very contagious. So, yeah, we might just be playing ping pong with it, because I feel worse than I did yesterday, so. That is a real bummer. Yeah. Because I'm feeling one million percent. Yeah, you you seem like it. <laughs> but we are loading up on vitamin C and water and all that good stuff. So hopefully we'll be back to 100% next week. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you really need to go away right now. Or just jump on Rosie's lap. Mm-hmm. All right, because we've been sick, this week is... We're not going to continue the Epstein story right now. We're going to continue that next week because there's a lot of research to be done and next week's story is a big one i didn't realize how complicated epstein's story is and it's just he did so much crap and so we're gonna try to squeeze it into as few episodes as possible but at the same time there's a lot to go through so we're gonna be sharing a listener story we appreciate you sending this in Brittany. hi sa mm-hmm. yes thank you for the pronunciation yeah I totally would have gotten the pronunciation wrong if well, you hadn't let us know. What would you have said? Hissa. Um, rookie's mistake. Yep. Yeah, I'm, this story is pretty, it's a big, 
it's a big one. And we first got the email about it um, at Disney World in the line of the Navi River in Animal Kingdom. And I started reading it. And then I was like, oh, this is kind of disrespectful. <laughs> reading this in a line at Disney while there's like children bawling their heads off. So in what I waited. Way? Well, I just wanted to give it my full attention instead of True. being like, is that Mickey over there? And then reading. <laughs> oh, well, I mean. We're really busy people, so whenever I get a... I mean, I'm reading stuff from people all the time and at random times because, you know, when else are we going to do it? Well, Disney didn't feel like the place... Oh, I bumped it again. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> all right, let's jump into the story because there's a lot of information here. All right, I'm going to be reading as Brittany, and these are pretty much... These are all of her words that she wrote to us. Yeah, and let's hope that your voice holds up for this. Mm-hmm. All right, so it starts off with this. My story isn't as bad as others. So many times I feel too embarrassed to share it. I've been shut down so many times, told I should count my blessings, etc. I do count my blessings, but I also have PTSD. I'm medicated, and I see a counselor. I went through what I went through, and although it isn't as heavy as other stories, it is heavy for me. I still have to see and be civil with and deal with one of my abusers weekly. I am legally obligated, so in some ways, I feel as though I'll never escape him. It feels pretty hopeless sometimes. To understand me as a person, we've got to head back to the very beginning. I was born in August of 1989 to a single mother. My dad didn't know I existed until I found him this last summer, 30 years later. My mom was doing what she thought was best at the time by not telling him, but my mom has some issues that she has never properly dealt with. My mom is a survivor of child molestation from the time she was six years old until she was an adult. This definitely has had an impact on our lives. My mom is an alcoholic and never truly wanted me. I know she loves me as best she can, but now that I'm a mother of four, I see the difference. My grandparents raised me, but my mom played it off like she did. Mom would leave in the morning for work and not come home until she, the wee hours of the next morning, if she came home. She would routinely tell me she'd pick me up from school, then forget and leave me stranded. She'd send me to school with moldy lunches because she forgot to pack me a new one. I would search for her at school programs, only to find that she wasn't there. One of her favorite things to tell me was that she, quote, didn't like kids, let alone want one. But then I came along. Oof, that's hard to hear. She also told me she, quote, should have an abortion, should have had an abortion when she had the chance. Needless to say, this didn't exactly foster a strong sense of self-confidence for me. I've spent the majority of my life either knowing I was unwanted or convincing myself I was. That's really sad, mm -hmm. feeling like you're a burden. When I was around six years old, my grandparents called my mom out for ditching me. Instead of bucking up and being a mom, she just dumped me at her friends' houses until it blew over. One of these friends was, of hers was more than a friend. She was a love interest, and mom was infatuated. She ushered me down to the basement of this woman's house so they could be alone, putting the woman's teenage son in charge of me. He made me watch Tales from the Crypt with him and told me if I was scared I could cuddle with him. Then told me we were going to play a game called the Naked Game. My grandparents were Christian and I went to a private Christian school. I was incredibly modest and didn't like the sound of this game. I told him it made me uncomfortable, but he pushed me. Once I was naked, he told me to lay down on his bed so we could play. I immediately started crying and bolted for the stairs. I made it to the locked room my mom was in and pounded on the door pleading for her. He made it upstairs behind me just in time for her to open the door. He told her I had an accident, so my clothes were in the washer. He said I was embarrassed and scared to tell her that I'd had an accident, so that's why I was crying. I tried to tell her the truth, but she believed him. What? Isn't that crazy? That's messed up. However, because I was naked, she kept me with her from that point forward. The next memory I have is going to the bathroom and there was blood everywhere. I called out for my mom. Her friend came and saw the blood and proceeded to tear into my mom. 
She told her she needed to be a damn mom and take me to the doctor. Mom was furious, grabbed me, and took off. This incident was later explained to me as a bladder infection. I still don't know the full story, but I had multiple bladder infections since and never experienced blood like that. Thank goodness for the friend. I know. Fast forward a few years, we moved to a a city two hours from my hometown. My grandparents moved with us to a house down the street from ours. My mom continued to work in my hometown, choosing to commute back and forth. I suppose I should mention I live in Montana. This was no big city commute. Between here and there, there's nothing but fields, mountains, rivers, and deer. It's not a simple drive to make if, say, your kid needs you in the middle of the night. Regardless, she chose this. From the time I was 11, I raised myself. My grandparents were there when I needed them. Mom would pop in here and there and buy food for the house, but I was alone. Many times before she'd leave for work, she'd pick a fight and let loose, telling me how much she loathed being a mother and wished I didn't exist. I spent years of my life in tears. I hated myself for being alive, and I knew I was a burden. My mom homeschooled me for 7th and 8th grades. Homeschooled in quotes. Right. So that no one would ask questions. We lived at the base of a mountain, and our landlord was an abuser in his own family, so no one around cared enough to speak up for me. So, I mean, this is a common tactic, isolation, and even if it's inadvertent here, it's still a factor. She's isolated from any outside help. Even the homeschooling with the Turpin family. Oh, yeah. Like the homeschool facade is commonly used. Mm-hmm. My grandfather was the only one who loved me. He was my savior so many times. Mom knew this, so she would lie to him, too. I don't think he knew the extent of her neglect. When I was around him, I was just so thrilled not to be alone. So convinced I was a burden and so terrified he would leave me that I didn't tell him. I just soaked up his love. He passed away in 2012, and I miss him every single day. I convinced my mom to enroll me in high school. She enrolled me in a tiny private school and made a deal with me. She'd buy me a car when I was old enough to drive, if I kept up my grades, didn't party, didn't have sex, and kept the house clean. I clung to this. My car was my ticket to freedom. She bought my car from our neighbor for $200, and I was in love with it. I started a carpool to and from school and made money for gas this way. I kept it maintained, and I worked my way up to management at my local Dairy Queen. Okay, an entrepreneur making money giving rides to people. Yeah. I graduated with a 3.56 GPA with honors. Wow. My school wasn't accredited, so the only college I could attend was in town. The University of Montana. What is that? Missoula? Missoula, yeah. I received Pell Grants to cover my entire freshman year. I moved into the dorms with my cousin. I thought I could move forward. My mom was diagnosed with stage 3B breast cancer the fall of my freshman year. I had only attended classes for two months and had to drop out to take care of her. I worked full time to pay our bills and did just that. Our roles were reversed. She ended up with a staph infection from her mastectomy. They didn't catch it until she was septic, and her chest wall literally blew out one night in the hospital. Wow. They had been giving her chemotherapy the whole time. Her oncologist blamed me. Mom almost died on Christmas 2007. I was by her side the whole time. By a miracle, she made it through. She blamed you for the staph infection? Yeah, I'm like, what? (laughs) She still tells people I abandoned her, and I gave up so much for her. Wow. At the same time she was in the hospital, I was dating a guy. He cheated on me on Christmas Day. I was so starved for love, I took him back and ended up pregnant in the fall of 2008. My mom finished her chemo in my hometown, so all I had was him and the baby. I found out he was doing meth and still cheating. He wigged out on me one night and punched me in my stomach until I lost the baby. I was 20 weeks along, and she was a girl. I named her Violet, and I still wonder where she'd be. 
That's, I can't imagine that. That's got to be so hard. In that gap between the fall of 2007 and my first miscarriage, I went through rather an intense spiral. Part of, of it was rebellion and anger, and the other part was acting out because I didn't know how to cope. I know I mentioned a couple of my exes are meth addicts. I want to clarify, I have never touched the stuff, and I found out about their addictions after the fact. I was naive at the time, and I knew something wasn't right, but I couldn't put my finger on it. I did, however, end up addicted to opiates. I got to the point where I couldn't make it through an hour or two without being high. Oh my gosh, that's scary. Yeah. It was after I lost the baby that I looked in the mirror and didn't recognize myself. My hair was falling out, my eyes were sunken in, I was pale and just looked sick. It terrified me. That is crazy, because it... It's one of those things that sneaks up on you. You're like, Mm -hmm. I just do a little bit, and then all of a sudden, it's consumed your life. In June of 2009, I dumped that boyfriend for good and quit opiates cold turkey. I do not recommend quitting the way I did, because it's dangerous and unbelievably hard on your body. I just knew, though, that I couldn't wean myself off gradually. I was too sucked into feeling the stop. I... Is there, a, like, is it possible to gradually wean off opiates? Because don't they just, if you keep taking them, you'll keep needing more and more type of situation? I have no like, idea. Ugh, they're so scary because, I don't know. This just seems like a terrible situation to be stuck in. And it's really amazing that she could actually quit like that. Mm-hmm. I was miserable for a good couple of weeks. But I have been sober for 11 years coming this June. When I had to, be, when I had to take painkillers because I had given birth or because of surgery, I told my doctors about my addiction beforehand and we worked together to curb my desires. It's hard, but it's worth it. And if I can do it, anyone can. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing that with us. During my spiral, I was raped twice. I still block these times out. I still have a hard time talking about them because I'm ashamed of myself. I still struggle with the idea that if I hadn't put myself in these situations that I was in, if I hadn't been drunk and high, I wouldn't have been raped. The first time was a guy named Max. Ironically though, he's the reason I met my now husband. They had grown up together, basically. I had been interested in Max, and even though there was instant chemistry with my husband, My husband was with the mother of his son at the time, and I'm no homewrecker. So I decided to go on some stupid frat party with Max one night. Max is the type of stand-up guy who still lived in his mom's attic, couldn't hold a job, didn't have a car, spent most of his time drunk, and fancied himself to be a fledgling rapper. Really contributing to society there. (laughs) Desperate Brittany had a type, and she was dumb. Max was just using me. I drove us to the party and proceeded to get hammered, even though I don't remember drinking much. And I don't remember getting to Max's house. I just came to with him on top of me and inside of me. He was exerting so much effort, he was dripping sweat on my face. I immediately tried to push him off of me and kept telling him to stop, please stop. This wasn't what I wanted. He put his hand over my mouth and told me, shh, my mom can hear you. Wow. He kept telling me I wanted it, and I just cried. My body, my body shut down. When he was finished, he rolled over and went to sleep. Ugh, it doesn't matter if, like, if she gave you any indication she wanted at any point. Once she says stop, that is the end of consent. You gotta stop. Mm-hmm. That's, like, no matter what idea you have of the situation... Someone tells you to stop, you better stop. I was too terrified to move and I felt sick. I passed out again. When I woke up the next morning and rolled over to grab my pants off the floor, he slapped my butt and said, thanks. I don't have another condom, but want to go at it again? You'd be more fun if you were more awake. I told him to F off and told him he knew what he did, collected my things and left. I spent hours in the shower that day trying to scrub him off of me. I felt disgusting. Come to find out, he told, 
my husband that him and I hooked up and that I wanted it. My husband knows the truth now. Needless to say, my husband and Max being in the same room now wouldn't end up well for Max. Wow, this sounds very familiar. That exact sentence <laughs> would is probably true of us. <laughs> <laughs> the second guy's name was Brandon. I was blackout drunk and high AF. My friend grabbed my phone and texted Brandon, being super flirtatious. She said I just needed to, quote, get laid because I still was heartbroken over my ex cheating. Brandon was just some dude I met on MySpace. He had told me he had a girlfriend, so he wasn't interested in being anything but friends. He just texted me every now and then to chat. Innocent enough. Well, thanks to my friend, it took a horrible turn. I only remember bits and pieces, and I'm thankful for that. I remember him coming into my friend's apartment, walking up to me and hugging me. He told her that we were going to go for a drive. Next thing I remember was getting into his truck, an older red Ford Ranger. We never even left that spot. I remember asking where we were going, but then I looked over and he had unzipped his pants. He shoved my head down and forced me to perform oral sex on him. He had a piercing, and I remember this because it kept catching and scratching the back of my throat and it hurt. I kept trying to stop him and I blacked out. I woke up to being vaginally raped. I kept telling him to stop, trying to scream, but he pushed my head down onto the seat of the truck and effectively muffled every noise I made. I blacked out again. Apparently, I threw up, which made him angry. I came to as I was being anally raped. He said this was my punishment for not being a good girl, and that pain was so excruciating, I blacked out again. Oh my gosh. The next time I woke up, he was zipping up his pants and laughing to himself. He opened the passenger door, pushed me out, and took off. What? My pants were still around my ankles. I managed to pull them up, fell down on the grass in front of my friend's apartment, and passed out. I woke up just in time to watch the sunrise, stumbled up to my friend's apartment, went in, and passed back out on the couch. She woke me up later to eat, gloating about, quote, getting me laid until I lost it. I told her what he did to me, and she was shocked. I was so angry and so hurt that I couldn't stand staying there. I went home and popped a bunch of oxys and tried my best to numb everything. Apparently, Brandon's girlfriend figured out that he had been unfaithful to her. He told her that I had been hooking up with him. So on top of being ashamed for myself and being in the situation in the first place, I got her wrath and her of this alleged consensual affair. She threatened to broadcast it over social media and everything in between, that I was a home-wrecking whore. I couldn't get a word in edgewise to tell her that it wasn't my fault and her boyfriend was scum. I should have pressed charges, but I was too ashamed. I still don't like recalling it, I spent a long time lying about it, trying to make it less horrible than it was. When I speak out about it, once I get to a certain point, my body shuts down and I can't even get the words out. Every person I've relayed the story to, with the exception of my husband, has twisted it against me and shamed me for it. I understand what I did wrong, but I still don't feel as though any of my mistakes justify what happened to me. How do you twist that into being her fault? I don't know. It's crazy. Uh, I'm sorry that that's happened, Brittany. That sucks. My next relationship was with a man who lived in Ohio. I moved for him, and he cheated on me. I found text messages on his phone while he was in the shower. He told her I was hideous and had moved back to Montana. What? He told her he was thrilled to be rid of me. Can you... Imagine finding that on your partner's phone. No, I would be heartbroken. Oh my god. Which is what she just says. She says, I moved back home heartbroken. My next relationship was a rebound and I didn't love him. He cheated on me in in our bed. When I broke it off with him, he kicked me out of our shared apartment and took off in his car with a rifle, claiming he was going to kill himself. He didn't, and I haven't spoken to him since. Okay, 
let's take a sec here. There's a lot um, more to this, but I just want to ask you, Rosie, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm trying to sound as not sick as I possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, please excuse us if we sound horrible this week. We are very sick, and hopefully it's not distracting too much from Brittany's story. So, all right, let's get into her next relationship. My next relationship was with the father of my now five-year-old daughter. He was an alcoholic and addicted to meth. I found him at a strip club one night, drunk and getting ready to go home with a stripper. I tried to get him to come home with me, trying to fix it. He slammed my car door in my pregnant belly multiple times. I ended up in the ER with a threatened miscarriage, passing blood clots. My daughter survived, and I kicked him out. He stalked and threatened me for months before moving to South Dakota and marrying, you guessed it, a stripper. Okay. I gave birth to my daughter on May 11th, 2014. Hey, that's my birthday. (laughs) It is. My mother was there, but she was drunk and screamed at me while I was laboring. She told me to call someone who cares when I cried. What? That's so terrible. I mean, I understand that a lot of her mother's actions are probably because she was abused herself, but that's so cold because, like, Brittany went through a lot, too, and she's not this kind of person. Well, because you're abused doesn't give you the right to abuse others. absolutely not. My daughter was the first baby born in Missoula on Mother's Day that year. Her cord was wrapped around her neck, and she wasn't breathing properly. They rushed her to the NICU. I hemorrhaged when delivering the placenta, and I lost over half the blood in my body in under 10 seconds. I remember looking down at my OB, seeing him covered in blood. They brought in people from the morgue, and they didn't believe I'd make it, but I I made it. I have a question. Mm -hmm. What's an OB? That's the doctor. Oh, okay. The birthing person? Oh, is that where, like, OBGYN? I think so. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know anything. I'm not a mom, so I don't know either. (laughs) All right. OB, short for obstetrician, a physician who delivers babies. Okay. That makes sense. They didn't believe I'd make it, but I made it. I'd be damned if I was going to leave my daughter alone in this world. It was a hard road, but we did it. Her biological father pops up on Facebook every now and again, but he has never met her, and he still threatens to take her from me. And this just shows, like you just said, um, even if you're abused doesn't give you the right to abuse other people. Mm -hmm. We see Brittany making the best of her situation, being a good mother, even though she went through abuse herself. It's, you know, she's a good person, and she's doing what she can to make her daughter's life better mm-hmm. than hers was. I moved back to my hometown in 2015. I met my son's dad here, and he seemed perfect. He was kind and considerate. He was good with my daughter, even going so far as to call her his daughter. We moved in with him in the fall of 2015. And I, she had more that wasn't in the original email about this guy, so... At the end, I'll read that to give you a little break if you want. That would be amazing. says, um, I want to shed more light on the situation with my son's dad. After thinking about it, even though I can't really use his real name for legal reasons, I think naming him and his family members would add some clarity. I'll call him Paul. His mom I'll call Susan. Um, so let's read a little bit more before I continue on this. Okay. But we'll start from there. Paul has five dogs and he keeps them locked up in his hallway all day, every day. Paul's house is hideously filthy. I deep cleaned it in order to move in, thinking maybe this was just some bachelor flaw. After all, he was great with me and my daughter. So what's a little cleaning? Paul lives across the street from his overbearing mother. Her husband beat the kids when they were young. Paul blew the whistle when he was in third grade. He went to school with bruises and broken bones, 
and Child Protective Services got involved. Susan simply hit her husband from CPS long enough to get the kids back. Then, Paul's brother started raping my son's aunt. So, is that his sister? Yeah, that would be his sister. Okay. This occurred for six years. Susan again tried to cover it up, and she was charged with tampering with witnesses for trying to tell her daughter to lie for her son, Paul. Paul's currently in prison, looking to maybe be released in the next few years. He has gone on the record stating that he would have no issue leaving his kids under the care of the rapist because he's family. I found all this out after I left him. Paul started abusing me gradually and emotionally. He criticized me constantly. Everything from my body to my sense of humor to my laugh to my faith in God and to my mothering. It got in because here was this perfect man in my life. Someone for my daughter. And since he was so wonderful, there must be something wrong with me. I found out I was pregnant in January 2016 and he claimed the baby wasn't his because his mom said I must be a whore, being that I was a single mom. What? Paul thought I made up the baby to trap him until he went to the OB with me. That's crazy. Wow. I will add I was on birth control every time I ended up pregnant and I took it religiously. It just didn't work and I don't trap people. It's sad when you're trying to see the best in someone and they still are so disappointing. Mm-hmm. You know? My mom moved here to follow me and I went to visit her one day. I've always had a hard time just leaving her behind. She's still my mom. Regardless, this was literally a 20-minute visit and the first time I'd seen her since my daughter was born. Wow. My son's dad went off on me. Paul kicked me out of the house and told me I'm nothing but a couch tumor what? and that I'd end up just like my mom, worthless and used up and alone. So being a mom is being a couch tumor? That's... According to Paul? Really? that I've never heard a dislike that before. That's rough. My daughter and I ended up staying with my mom because we had nowhere else to go. Mom was still drinking but trying to hide it from me. This altercation with Paul was just the first of many. He was so cruel. I tried to break up with him one day while we were in his car, and he tried to crash the car, stating that if I wasn't going to be with him and just give him the baby, then he didn't care if we died. What? So he wanted the baby, but he also... That is such a scary situation. Especially when you're stuck in a car with someone that's driving mm-hmm. and they're starting to go off the rails. Like, you don't know if you're going to make it out of there. That sounds terrifying. I convinced Paul to drop me off at my cousin's house around the corner. He left but brought his mother and brother back. They took turns screaming at me in the driveway with his mother stating that she'd kick my ass if I weren't pregnant. I was crying and begging them just to leave. Then she dropped a bombshell. She and Paul had contacted my daughter's dad when they found out I was pregnant. They wanted to compare stories and see if I was lying, and they sympathized with him, even after seeing hospital records from his attack. They told me it was my fault, and I was shattered. This is so terrible that the family would just automatically this is what's so scary about not collecting all the facts because even if you have good intentions defending your family members if you're getting faulty information you could be supporting something that's really really toxic and dangerous like this of course my son's dad didn't want me to know any of this So we went into damage control mode and became Mr. Perfect all over again. He said he'd cut off contact with his mom, and I told him I'd let him know when I was in labor so he could be there when our son was born, but I just needed to be done with this relationship. Good for her. Sounds like another situation that I've heard about recently that it's very similar, eerily similar. 
Paul spent the following months wooing me, convincing me that he had changed. My water broke in the morning on January 25th, 2016. Uh, that's July 25th. What did I say? January. Oh. That's all right. And we went to the hospital together. He was textbook perfect, and I believed he had changed because he loved me. I recognize now just how much I disregarded because I just so badly wanted to be loved. I gave birth to our son just after 1 a.m. on July 26, 2016. We immediately became the perfect family again. My daughter and I moved back in with him and her father, and our family was complete. Ugh, this is such a scary situation and so manipulative because, you know, this happens a lot in abusive relationships, especially when, like, people the two people in the relationship are unable to communicate and the abuser won't acknowledge the fact that they're, you know, abusing their partner. Mm -hmm. They'll try to convince everyone else around them that they're the perfect ones, they're the ones in the right, and turn other people against their partner because, you know, they won't acknowledge or admit to themselves It's so scary. It only took a few months for him to start up with the abuse again. I couldn't do anything right. I got a job because he said I was mooching off of him. He and Susan kept tabs on every time I left the house and came back. Everywhere I went, everything I did. My daughter started getting bruises on her face and torso, and she was having issues potty training. What? just what you're reading right now. She cried every time I left the room. He explained all of this as a mix between me being a terrible, worthless mother, just like my mother, and her being clumsy. We argued a lot, which turned into him screaming in my face and throwing things at me, breaking my things, etc., and he even slammed my hand in the door. He pulled a knife on me, he headbutted me, and left me left my lip bloody and swollen. Through this time, I had one friend, and her name I will use because she deserves the credit. Geraldine is my angel. I told her what was going on, and we made a plan to get my kids and I out. Oh, good. I picked up legal paperwork for a restraining order and a parenting plan. I secretly packed away what things I could and hid them in my daughter's room. My friend came to get us right after my son's dad went to work one morning. We lived 20 minutes from town, so we figured that we'd have enough time. So I'm going to start reading a bit because Rosie is having a really rough time just speaking right now. So I appreciate you, Rosie. Thank Thank you you for putting your effort forth. I'm just going to take a little break of talking for a minute. All right, so it says... We packed the kids in first, locked their doors, and threw what I had squirreled away in the back of Jerry's rig in five minutes. Wow. This reminds me a lot of Rosalind McGinnis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her escape. Yeah. His mother was across the street, remember? Yep, she watched us with binoculars and reported to him. He started texting me, asking what was going on. With shaking hands, I lied. I had to just to get out. I left his key and a note stating I didn't want to be harassed by the front door and we fled. I filed paperwork and was granted a temporary restraining order. I found out that he had been abusing my daughter. Just thinking about that makes me so sick. He was locking her in her room the second I'd leave for work. No food, no water, no access to a bathroom. I work nights, so by the time I'd get home, he said he'd just put her in bed. The bruises were from him. She says he'd play blanket party with her, wrapping her in a blanket and kicking and hitting her all over and over. She says he would give her baths in freezing cold or scalding hot water and hold her head under the water until she couldn't breathe. He told her he would kill me in front of her if she told me. Mm. So, uh, you tell this to a kid, they're going to believe you, and they're 
you know, obviously not going to tell. And Well, even because of the things they're doing to the child, the child's not going to want to speak up because of all the past pain. Yeah, they know it'll just get worse if they do. Ugh, this is so terrible. So, at the hearing, he lawyered up. I couldn't afford a lawyer and still can't. Which is so sad. Lawyers are so ridiculously expensive. They had his sister lie on the stand to the judge, stating that I was overly emotional and made up my abuse. My daughter underwent a forensic interview, but she was three years old and afraid at the time. CPS told me they just didn't get enough info from her to press charges. They dropped my restraining order and adopted my son's dad's parenting plan. We have 50-50 custody. One week on, one week off. I have to see him every single week on Mm -hmm. Sunday. Paul has continued to be abusive and cruel, but I can't prove it. (sighs) What a terrible trap to be in. Mm Mm-hmm. My son came home one day last November with the same type of bruises as my daughter had. I reported to CPS. I took him to the doctor. The doctor states it's non-accidental trauma. She cried when she saw it and promised she'd help me. Thank goodness someone's finally Mm -hmm. helping you. Or believes her. Yeah. CPS took over a month to make... Sorry, CPS took over a month to make first contact with my son's dad and simply asked him what happened. He said he didn't know. They closed the case. What? I'm sorry. They contacted Paul. He played dumb. And they closed the case. Took them over a month to ask him about it. Oh, that's what it says. CPS took over a month to make first contact with my son's dad. Okay, I read that and I was like, what does that mean? (laughs) Sorry, my brain is not working today either. Um, But they closed the case just because he played dumb? And it was apparently too much work? You see this a lot with CPS. This is really sad. And the sad part is CPS agents work really hard. But it's hard to investigate these things, and just the system is so screwed up. The emergency motion I had filed was dropped due to insufficient evidence. A month ago, I picked my son up from preschool. His dad had dropped him off. My son smelled atrocious, like animal defecation and worse. I got him home to change him and found a pull-up on his body that was disintegrating and covered Uh. in urine and feces. So he never, never changed it? Isn't that terrible? The feces was caked to his thighs. He's only at preschool for two hours. This was there longer than that. Mm. I spoke to preschool and they said they were short-staffed and profusely apologized. I reported it to CPS. I still haven't heard from CPS. I'm sure that he got such bad rashes from that poor thing. No kidding. So for now, we are stuck in a system that refuses to listen. So let's go um, to that other section where she added more about Paul before we get into the next part. She says, the whole thing with Paul has been such a complex situation. It's really difficult to get everything on paper. Everything I covered in my first email is just basically a Cliff Notes version, so everything we just talked about. Never in my life did I think I would end up in that type of hell. He had multiple women on the side, women who would text him all hours of the night asking if I was around, Women who came to the house while I was gone. One ex of his stalked me for a while before messaging me and telling me she'd raise my kids as her own and she and Paul were in love. What the heck? Man, Brittany's 
gone through a lot. Not only the abuse and the abuse of her children and the drugs and the rapes, but then this Mm -hmm. cheating situation with multiple different people. Like, what the heck is going on? Mm -hmm. She told me she'd be happy to move my things out of his house. When I told him what was going on, he accused me of lying and told me she was a better person than me, so I must be jealous. (laughs) (laughs) He was constantly comparing me to her and other women, telling me I needed to hit the gym and quit being such a fat ass when I was pregnant with his son. She's pregnant! Mm -hmm. (sighs) I only gained 40 pounds that pregnancy. I gained 60 with my daughter, so to me, I was ahead of the curve and feeling good. My weight has always been a huge issue for me, even when I was 5'10 and 160, 160 pounds. I was convinced I was fat. I'm 5'10 and I weigh a lot more than that. <laughs> well, that's quite thin for 5'10. Yeah, very much so. Pregnancy doesn't exactly help that issue, but at least gaining weight during pregnancy has a purpose. I have never let myself go. I'm just not thin. He knew that and used it against me. I cooked and cleaned and took care of his animals along with our kids, then went to work every day. But none of it was ever good enough. He made me fence his backyard by myself one summer because he wanted me to stop acting allergic to the sun and get off my fat ass and do something. Oh my gosh. That's a lot of work. Fencing a backyard? Mm-hmm. Like, holy crap. I couldn't do that by myself. Um, but that does sound like something you say to me sometimes. It doesn't. Stop acting allergic to the sun. <laughs> More like allergic to grass. I am allergic to grass. But anyway, not important. His mom, Susan, is one of the most pathological and dangerous liars I have ever met. She came to me one night and said she considered my family. She considered me family, so if I ever needed to talk, I could come to her. Let me guess, manipulation. She and Paul had talked about my lack of relationship with my mom, so she made a huge point of telling me she was my mom now. Oh, not a good idea. Nope. I opened up to her about my concerns about the other women in Paul's life. She went directly to him, screenshotting all my texts to her, taking things out of context. I just went to her for support because I was hurt, but he now saw it as me being manipulative and two-faced. This started a huge fight between him and I, and I ended up having things thrown at me that night. I told her. She said it was my fault and I should be a better woman. I should just be a better woman. So it... This is so scary. Because abusers are so... See, what really matters in this case is the truth. Brittany's telling Paul's mom the truth. Susan. You know? Even if it could be perceived as manipulative and two-faced, it's still the truth. And Susan was acting like she could be a support to Brittany, but then she goes behind her back and tells Paul about it, and then he sees Brittany as the bad person, even though all the stuff is true. It's like, what the heck? She's just trying to get help, and... You know, it's not like she's broadcasting it to everyone. She's talking to someone who made her feel like she could trust her. Mm -hmm. And then that person turned on her immediately. So she continues to dig a little deeper into Susan's psychosis. She has six children, four from her first marriage and two from her second. We'll call them Jeremy, the incestuous rapist, Ashley, Kevin... Paul, my ex, Mariah, the rapist victim. Remember, um, Paul's brother was raping his sister. So those are the two, Jeremy and Mariah. And then Kate. Jeremy is in prison. 
Ashley lives two doors down from Susan and Paul. Kevin is mentally handicapped and lives with Susan and her abusive husband. Jim. Oh, her abusive husband, Jim. Mariah cheated on her husband while he was deployed in the military, and she moved back in with Susan and Jim. Kate and I were closest. She ended up being the one they had to testify against me in court. She had, she said there, I'm sorry, she said she was there when he pulled the knife on me. She wasn't. Said it wasn't a knife, but a movie case instead. That's a big difference. Wow. And that I stabbed myself in the hand with it because I was mad at Paul. What? Because that makes sense. How in the hell does one stab themselves in the hand with a movie case? I still don't know. I still don't know how the judge bought it either. But she did. And she dropped my restraining order because of Kate's testimony. Quote unquote, testimony. Kate was 15 when I left in 2018. She was also pregnant. She asked me multiple times before I left how to start the emancipation process. She hated living with her parents. She was 15. Well, Susan's home is a cesspool of filth. She has 30 dogs. She had Kevin cut a hole in the floorboards of their bathroom closet. They live in a trailer, so the cats of the area could come and go as they please. I mean, good intentions, I guess, (laughs) but that's a Um, little unsanitary. Yeah. Their walls are lined with cat litter boxes and are filled to the brim with fecal matter and urine. Ew. Why can't the cats piss outside? Like... If they're already outside, why do they need litter boxes? Anyway, they have multiple birds, rodents, and reptiles as well. They collect the dog poo off the floor in plastic Walmart bags and hang them off their kitchen cupboards until they're ready to throw them out. Oh my gosh. Oh, I feel like I'd walk into this house and immediately get sick. Their dogs are malnourished and feeble and sickly. Their house stinks so bad, you can smell it when you're standing on Paul's porch across the street. The kids have been teased relentlessly about how they smell. Mm. Paul has been reprimanded at multiple jobs for hygiene issues. People walk by them and gag. (sighs) Susan's husband is on oxygen now. He's had to be removed from the home and hospitalized for breathing issues many times. I found out Kate had given birth to her baby girl last year and bought her, brought her home to Susan's house. I lost it. Having four children of my own, I can't fathom letting them live in that. I wouldn't allow my kids over there when I lived out there. That caused plenty of fights, but I stood my ground. I reported it to CPS, and Animal Control stepped in as well. From what I know, Kate was given a choice to either move away with her baby and stay, or stay and give up the baby. She chose to stay, and her daughter is in kinship care. That's sad. Kinship care, whatever that means. It saddens me because she was close, so close to getting the hell out. Susan has told me on multiple occasions that she won't let her kids move away from her, and it looks like that's the case. The only one who is farther than five miles from her is in prison. Yikes. I'm surprised that they wouldn't want to get away from this situation. But Paul's dogs are an issue as well. He only has five currently, but one is a rescue. Only five. (laughs) His friends owned the dog before and were going to put him down for being aggressive. So Paul took him. Paul is aggressive and beats the dogs regularly. It's made this dog worse to the point where it bit our son. He still has a scar on his arm. When confronted about it by CPS... Paul stated that he would put the dog in obedience classes. CPS was satisfied as long as he promised to keep the dog away from my son 
an impossible thing to do since the dogs are inside all day in his two-bedroom trailer. He still hasn't enrolled him in classes. Paul told the judge for our parenting plan that his dogs are family. (laughs) So they take priority over your son. What the heck? The judge said if our son gets bit or hurt again by the dog, he'll strip his rights and grant me full custody. The problem is, unless my son gets really, really hurt, I can't prove anything. And then, by that point, it could be too late. I mean, once your kid gets hurt like that, who knows if it'll have lasting effects. That's so stupid. So I'm stuck in a catch-22 situation, waiting until my son gets hurt, but praying that he doesn't. This is this is the really sucky part about the legal system, and because you can't prosecute people until they do something wrong, you know? Right. Threats won't get people arrested, you know? It won't get you protection against these people, so you have to wait until they victimize you, and then... You can press charges. It sucks. So, side note, one time when Paul was mad at me, he let his dogs rip my grandpa's Bible to shreds. It was the last thing I had from him after he passed away. Remember how close they were? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can relate to that, really. I can super relate, because my grandfather was really, really special to me, too. Ugh. He had previously given me a tea set he'd bought, uh, brought back from the Philippines when he was in World War II, but my mom took it and pawned it for gambling and drinking money without my knowledge. <sighs> the Bible still smelled like him. He read it every single morning, sometimes with me. He had saved every note and card I had ever given him, and there were little handwritten notes in the margins. In the pages of that Bible, there, oh, handwritten notes in the margins in the pages of that Bible. It meant so much to me. It still kills me that it's gone. That is, that's really sad. It's devastating because it's it's priceless. You can't replace that. Mm -mm. Paul also still has boxes of my daughter's baby clothes, along with my things and a baby book I handmade for her. He will not return them. The cops will not help me. After all that Paul's done to her and her children, they won't help her. Paul and Susan tried to get me to come out and get the boxes while I was there, about seven months pregnant with Derek. They told me they'd bring them out of the shed for me, but I had to come alone, specifically stating that I couldn't bring my husband or Geraldine to help me. Mm, That sounds sketchy. That's basically setting her up for having no defense. Because, like, you know, she'll be in their territory. She'll be outnumbered. You know? It's obvious that they want to try something if they won't let her bring any kind of backup or people that are on her side, you know? The cops said that that's their prerogative, to make that call, to ban whomever they want from their property. And even though it sounded like a setup for me, they wouldn't do a civil standby to help me. They just said to call if I needed them. So I chose not to go at all. I didn't want to risk my son's life. Yeah, that was smart, I think. Uh, Yeah, it is, but it sucks because you want to be able to get your stuff. It's really sick and sad and codependent. It's terrifying how much they lie for each other. So, Rosie, do you think you're up for reading some more? I'm up for it. (laughs) You sound 100% healthier. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) There is beauty in my story, though. Way back in 2007, I met a man who is now my husband. His name is David. We reconnected at the end of 2017 when I was being abused. He, as a friend at the time, opened my eyes and helped me see that I didn't deserve what was happening. He showed me that I was being abused and supported me on my way out. He, too, had been abused by the mother of his son. 
she cheated on him with his brother for six years. Mm. He showed me that life can be rich and beautiful and that true love exists. He's kind and gentle and patient. He's a wonderful father. We got married in May 2018, and I have never been happier. Oh, she's like newlywed. Uh-huh. Congratulations. He is by my side for everything, offering love and support and guidance. My kids are my greatest blessing, and David and Geraldine are my angels. I kid you not, I am so blessed to have them in my life. I never thought I'd know love like this. Montana's legal system leaves a lot to be desired. The stigma attached to victims needs to stop. Society in general needs to learn some empathy, to say the least. This is why your show is such a breath of fresh air. Uh Uh-huh. I suppose now would be a good time to introduce my four kids to you. My oldest is not biologically mine, but nevertheless, I love him as if he were. His name is David. The third, my husband, is the second. And he'll be 14 in a couple months. Even though I'm turning 31 this year, this makes me feel old. (laughs) My daughter is next in line, and her name is Isabella, but she goes by Izzy, and she'll be six in May. My son, shared with Paul, is turning four this July. His name is Connor. And last but not least, there's Derek. He just turned one year year old in December. David and I found out we were expecting him roughly two weeks before our wedding in May of 2018. So he was born the same month as our best friend's baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. These kids saved my life, and I found purpose I didn't know existed. Yes, I'm exhausted and busy all the time, but these little ones are so worth it. I'm nowhere near a perfect mom, but I do my very best for them every single day, and it makes me feel good knowing they won't grow up the same way I did. They will have better. So that's the end of the story. Thank you, Brittany. Yeah, Brittany Hassa. You did a great job of writing out this story for us to share. Yeah, this is like a perfect example of um, if you have your own story that you would want to share at some point. Brittany did a great job of writing this out. So this is like the perfect example um, of you know how to lay out your story. Yeah. And. In a way, we can read it because Brittany said a couple times that it wasn't as heavy as our other stories. And first of all, like it is, <laughs> it's like super heavy. Yeah. But also, like we don't um, scale on like we don't have a heavy scale. Oh yeah, there's no reason to. Every story is its own story, and there's no need to compare them to others because we can all learn and take things away from everybody's individual story instead of saying how deep and dark it is compared to others you know what i mean yeah and i mean the story speaks for itself mm-hmm. and obviously you've survived a lot and you're another great example of someone that's been able to live a functional life and find happiness at the end of a terrible story like this so thank you for sharing this and yeah um if you're listening to this and you appreciated Brittany's story, feel free to reach out. Uh, I think she's around on our Facebook. Um, and if you want to reach out directly to her, or you can just send it to her email and we'll make sure she gets it if you have anything you want to say to her. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thanks again, Brittany. Yeah, the story was really, like, whoa. <laughs> mm-hmm. It makes you thankful for what you have, especially when you hear stories like this one. Yeah. And I also want to say I'm so sorry about your baby girl, Violet. That, for some reason, really was just... I just can't imagine the pain that you went through. Yeah, it's one of those things that we might not think about very often, how difficult it is for someone to go through. But, you know, it's tragic. Well, especially with all the excitement and expectation and... Yeah, and she know, was already named. You're holding her in your, in your stomach, in your womb. Mm-hmm. You're not expecting things like that to happen. Yeah. Well, um, we are very, very uh, sick today. (laughs) I know. I feel bad. I'm so sorry that we're sick. (laughs) I know. Um, But we really wanted to share Brittany's story, and we're glad we were able to make it through the outline Mm -hmm. or the the story. 
Again, if you have your own story, always feel free to email us at vovpodcast at gmail.com. If you have sent us your story and we haven't gotten back to you or haven't shared it yet, please reach out to us again because we get a lot of emails and it's hard to keep them all organized with because we work full time and you know we don't have a ton of extra time after work so sometimes things slip through the cracks so please reach out to us again if we have missed your story or you know if we haven't replied to you so mm-hmm. um i if you're if this is your first time here you can follow us on instagram at vov podcast you can Email us at vovpodcast at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon. Um, you can find us there at Voice of the Victim Podcast. There's always a link to that in our show notes and on our Instagram, I think. And also, we have a P.O. Box now. If you if you ever want to send us anything, it's P.O. Box 1425. Is that it? Yep. In Hudson, Wisconsin, 54016. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's about it for this week. Um, We do have new patrons to thank. So, should we do that right now? Yeah, while you look them up, uh, we'll read our newest five-star review, which is really nice. It's entitled, Love This Podcast, Five Stars. It says, Having worked previously with sexually maladaptive youth, I truly love the way you guys portray and share these victim stories. You are so compassionate, but also do a good job of educating parents about some of these behaviors. I love listening to your show every week. That means a lot coming from someone that's worked in this field professionally. It does. That's really cool. Thank you. What's the name on that? Ogin, with an exclamation point. What is it? Ogin. (laughs) Like organ without the R. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we want to thank our patrons, Lindsay, yeah. Andrea, mm-hmm. Janine, Ashley, and, of course, we want to thank Brittany, who we talked about Yay. this week. A lot of patrons so this thank week. thank you guys so much. It really means a lot. Mm-hmm. So, with that said, we're going to wrap up because... We are sick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.